Hey fellow album divers, Trevor here. And before we dive into our last deep dive album of 2021, I wanted to take a minute to let my friend Peter Carr introduce you to his project called Wake the Watchman. Peter is a Australian musician. I met him as a member of the Sunny Day Real Estate fan group. He's a master of memes and gifs, but he's also a pretty good musician. Check it out. Oh my gosh, got the metronome going. Hey, this is Pete from um, Wake the Watchman. That's what I call myself. And uh, I think you're going to hear a little snippet or the full version of my song called uh, Speak on My Behalf from an album I'm actually just still finishing up called Terrified Luck, which is me uh, pretty much going fully acoustic and figuring things out. And uh, yeah, so uh, enjoy. Find Pete's music at Wake the Watchman wherever you listen to music. Now on to the show. Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers. I'm Trevor. And I'm Shane. On this podcast, we take turns choosing albums to discuss and review. We alternate between an album that was released this calendar year and one that's been around a while. All right, Trevor, this time you were responsible for picking a new album. What'd you pick? Today we'll be discussing Lucy Dacus's third album, released June 25th of this year, 2021. This one's called Home Video. You call me Cerebro. You never knew me like you thought you did You never knew me like you thought you did Like you thought you did Good pick, Trevor. This this is an artist that I wasn't too familiar with. I had heard of the name because we had talked about the band, or maybe we should call it a, a small side project, Boy Genius, with Phoebe Bridgers when we were talking about her album last year in our best of review. And I know Lucy was a part of that trio along with Julian Baker. Right. Yeah. And the three of them are all fantastic artists, young female singer songwriters. Phoebe is the one that I'm most familiar with of the three. I think maybe I had stumbled upon a song or two from Lucy over the years, but this was really my first introduction to her work and it was really an interesting album it, w- it was kind of 
like we got a glimpse into her diary that she may have kept as a, a child and through a teenage and high school years. It was one one of those albums that grew on me with subsequent listens, and I think it was a good choice overall. How did you come to pick this for the podcast? Well, you were one step ahead of me then. Um, I knew Boy Genius just as a group and didn't really know the details of the three that made it up. I think I knew that it was a super group, but I just didn't bother to dive into who each of the three artists were. And then, yeah, it was when you selected Phoebe Bridger's album for the best of that I kind of put together that she was from Boy Genius. And then when I was trying to think of a album to select here for my new album for this month, I was listening to a lot of music and I was going back and forth. I think I was sharing with you some of my preliminary picks or what I thought I might pick before selecting this one. And I was everywhere from you know heavy metal to R&B, uh, some genres we hadn't dived into. And then I listened to this album and the lyrics were really drawing me in. The history a little bit about her, you mentioned sounding like reading excerpts from her diary. Actually, some of that is exactly what this was. Maybe not word for word, but the stories behind some of these songs she was reminded of when she went back home and read some entries from her diary when she was younger. It was after that that I then put it together that she was part of this collective boy genius and then listening to Julian Baker as well. And that's what sealed the deal for me, just really liking that Phoebe Bridgers album that you had picked and then being impressed with this one and then just being excited about a super group like that. I can't think of another comparison where you have three young female artists that come together and make great music and then to have a little knowledge of them individually as solo artists, I think was an important part. So that's what made me decide I wanted to do this one since I couldn't do Punisher a deep dive last year since we're turning the page on 2020. I had to get one of these boy genius artists in and this album seemed, seemed worthy. So that's how I ended up with this one. Yeah, and you had you had your pick between Lucy and, and Julian because she released an album this year as well. Did you happen to check that out? It's true. And I got a little bit more into that after making this the selection for this time. Yeah, same here. Um, I, I, I looked up Julian after you had picked this Lucy album because I wanted to be familiar with Boy Genius and Lucy's background coming up as an artist touring with Julian and Phoebe. And I discovered that she had released an album this year too. So I checked out a few songs from her album and it was really good as well. So all three of them have released really great albums within a year, essentially. I'm curious if they're all going on their solo projects now or if boy genius will stay alive in the future if they'll tour some the three of them together and continue to write music whether they'll release another boy genius album in the future at some point or if they'll maybe just tour together and and do some of their solo songs because i know some of the songs on this album at least a couple lucy would sing when they were on tour as boy genius they would do their set and then i think the three of them would do some of their individual songs and the other two, Julian and Phoebe, had encouraged Lucy to to do a couple a couple of the songs. We'll get into that. And I know there were some that were so personal that were kind of hard for her to sing. Lucy, that is, hard for her to sing on stage because they would get her so emotional and bring back a lot of a lot of memories that maybe she didn't want to have to revisit in front of a ton of people. But the other two would encourage her to sing them because they thought they were such great songs. And obviously, over time, she is developed a relationship with them where she can perform them and and uh, release them to the world uh, on this album. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Boy Genius has some things in the work too. 
both of them also make an appearance on a couple songs on this album too, singing background. So they're all touring together, making music together, working on each other's solo work. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before they all get into the studio together and make something as a collective again. Well, it's a great trio. They they all have similar styles. The voices really mesh well, but they also all three bring some unique elements uh, to the table as well. Yeah, exactly. I think that's well said. After listening a little bit more to the Julian Baker album, definitely she does some really creative things musically that I think maybe the other two don't do in the same way. Um, so they all just have their own strengths. Honestly, if I would have listened to both those albums back to back, it would have been hard for me to pick which one I wanted to do for our deep dive here. But I'm excited to dive into home video. Yeah, me too. It was it was really a fun listen. And I'm sure we'll get into some great discussion once we get into the track by track here. But why don't you catch us up to speed on Lucy Dacus, her, her background story, what got her into music and and how we arrived uh, with this third album release. Sure. Lucy Dacus is a 26-year-old singer-songwriter from Richmond, Virginia, who now resides in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She studied film at the Virginia Commonwealth University, but left and moved back to Richmond when she got work editing children's school photos. And I think you can see some of the imagery of somebody that studied film in some of these songs lyrically and then even in some of the music videos as well. It was during this time that she began devoting extensive time to songwriting. She wrote more than 30 songs during this period, nine of which would eventually comprise her first album called No Burden that was released in 2015. She would have been just 21 years old. Originally, the album was released on Egg Hunt Records in February of 2016, but she would later be signed to the better-known label Matador Records, and No Burden would be released in September of that same year. In 2016, she would have her first performance at a major festival at Lollapalooza and her first television appearance on CBS This Morning and an appearance on NPR's Tiny Desk concert. Her second album, called Historian, would be released in March of 2018. It was like her debut, met with widespread critical acclaim. Also in 2018, Dacus formed the supergroup that we had mentioned, Boy Genius, with Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker. Their self-titled EP came out October of 2018. Lucy herself has a hard time describing her musical influences, but noted in an interview that her mom listened to a lot of show tunes growing up, and her dad listened to a lot of Bruce Springsteen, so as she puts it, maybe there's something to be said for all the storytelling I was exposed to. I tend to prioritize lyrics, and that could be because I was raised to see music as a communicative tool rather than just an art form. That said, she's mentioned Wilco's album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, Grouper's album Dragging a Dead Deer Up a Hill, and Andy Schaff's album The Party, to name three of her top ten albums she listed in an article titled Ten Albums That Changed My Life. Oh, wow. Andy Schaff got a mention. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I still haven't gone back and listened to his album The Party. Oh, yeah. I you said you I needed to do to that back when and we do reviewed it. it last yeah. year, his yeah. uh, new release in 2020. I think you'd like that one. Though she certainly has her unique style, Lucy gets comparisons to several artists as contemporaries, including her boy genius counterparts, Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker. She gets also comparisons to Soccer Mommy, Snail Mail, and Angel Olsen, just to name a few. We've talked about Soccer Mommy, and you've mentioned snail, Snail Mail as well. Soccer Mommy was one of the 
top five albums that I picked from last year too, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. You can hear, hear some similarities. And Obviously, I know you've, you've talked about Snail Mail. Yeah. Yeah, and you've talked about Snail Mail being an artist that you really enjoyed. Yeah, there's a lot of really great young female singer-songwriters right now. And I think those comparisons make sense. But again, Lucy and all of them bring something unique to the table. The album we will be discussing today, Home Video, her third album, as I mentioned, was released on June 25th of this year, 2021. Preceding its release, Dacus sent a VHS tape to certain fans with an untitled song, which would later be revealed to be called Thumbs, and has now been placed as track six on this album. Throughout the music videos for this album, Lucy uses actual footage from home videos of her childhood. Dacus said, I wanted to visualize the moment when you first reflect on your childhood, which I think can also be the moment that childhood is over. As I mentioned, the album features Boy Genius members Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker on tracks 7 and 10, as well as indie artist Mitski on track 7. Home Video has been met with widespread critical acclaim with an aggregate score of 85 out of 100 on Metacritic. The album cover features Lucy in an abandoned movie theater with nothing but a blue screen and an image of a videotape like she's waiting for something to begin. Lucy herself is turning to look behind her at the camera with a slow shutter speed motion blur on her face. Perhaps to fit the theme of this album, it's as if her past and her present self are in two places at once. Track one on this album, home video, is called Hot and Heavy. So this song and the album begin with these swelling ambient synthesizers, and so we're immediately into a chorus that later is going to be filled out as the song progresses, but at the beginning here, it's just Lucy on vocals. Being back here makes me hot in the face, hot blood in my pulsing veins, heavy memories weighing on my brain. So the general theme in this first song is around the idea of nostalgia for something. Lucy's singing about returning to her hometown and running into an ex and not necessarily having the emotion or feelings that she would have predicted. That mix of emotions is why this is called hot and heavy. I mean, it kind of has a a double meaning there. Yeah, she was quoted as saying that She thought at the time that she was writing this song about an old friend, but she realized along the way that it was actually just about herself outgrowing her past versions of who she was. Yeah, and that makes sense. You know, you you return home or you return to any place that was special to you after not being there for a while. And sometimes it it doesn't quite look the same. So it, uh, in a good way, allows you to see that that you've moved on, you've grown up, and you can you can distance yourself from where you were by being in that setting that brings back those those feelings. You you can in a way tap back into that person, but then also know that you're not that person anymore. She had another quote that I really liked about it, saying that so much of life is submitting to change and saying goodbye, even if you don't want to. Now wherever I go to places that used to be significant to me, it feels like trespassing the past. Hmm. 
I know that the teen version of me wouldn't approve of me now, and that's embarrassing, a little bit heartbreaking, even though I know intellectually that I like my life and who I am. I can really relate to that line about trespassing, visiting somewhere where you've been before. It's almost like, you know, people especially, but even inanimate objects and buildings and, you know, bookstores and bars or wherever you might have visited in your hometown. It's almost like they're calling back to you saying, where have you been? Yeah, right. And the person that she's talking to in this song sounds like somebody that doesn't have as much life experiences as the narrator does, presumably the narrator being her present self. There's lines like, you used to be so sweet, now you're a firecracker on a crowded street. Ask me all the questions your parents wouldn't answer. You know, it's like she's revisiting her her hometown, getting mental images of her past more naive self and it's like they're speaking to each other and her past self is saying tell me what you've learned teach me the worldly ways that you've come to to discover did the lyrics really give us much info as to pinpointing who that other person might be or is that kind of left up for interpretation yeah the most insight i got for that is just from her quotes about saying that she started writing it about a friend but that really she realized it was about herself. So I, I don't know at what point when she was writing this, she kind of came to the realization that it wasn't about another person, that it was about her past self. But since I read some of that before really getting deep into these lyrics, I think I was imagining her current self and like a ghost of herself mm. that she was having these conversations with. See, I was imagining a physical person, a significant other because of the the title of the song hot and heavy typically yeah, yeah. typically that phrase is associated with you know a relationship getting hot and heavy physically but that stance on on what the song might be about i i kind of pictured it as her coming back and seeing this significant other in a totally different way and i think i think she's probably proud of this person that uh, it was somebody that was close to her that was maybe sheltered and naive and that she brought this person up in the world, exposed them to various aspects of life. They had different conversations and, and maybe a lot of firsts uh, together and, and things of that nature. And that she left, maybe left the small town, went off to the big city. This person stayed there. And lo and behold, while she's left blossoming in her own, getting out of that place, this person is there thriving, maturing. Yeah, you mentioned those lyrics about uh, how she says, you used to be so sweet, now you're a firecracker on a crowded street. So I, I think of that as being the life of the party, the firecracker, the one that stands out, crowded street, lots of people around, uh, lots of attention, friends, social circle. You know, it's almost like this person was naive, she was there for them, helped bring them up, maybe planted the seed that she never really got to see fully blossom because she ended up leaving. They They split up or went their separate ways. And now that she's back, she's seeing the the product and thinking, that's kind of what I wanted back then, or that's what I had always hoped for, that's what I envisioned, and I never saw it out because of whatever reason things just didn't go that way. And now that she's back, maybe part of her thinks, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I could have stayed here. I could have had a life here, and, and this might have been fine. My my former self wouldn't really like the person that I've become today. They'd, they'd probably think, you know, I w- wasn't somebody that they would approve of and that her former self could have potentially stayed here and developed and had a a life with this other person. But, you know, for whatever reason she left. And I think deep down she knows 
that she's a better person now and she's happy and proud of who she is, but maybe there is still kind of a part of her that, that longs for who she used to be and, and, uh, you know, this life that she's being re-exposed to years later. Yeah. I mean, every decision is the end of another life in a way. You can't progress without making definitive choices and moving from one decision to the next, but saying yes to something is saying no to something else. And so I think it's normal and natural to have some nostalgia and also some longing for what could have been no matter, no matter where you end up going. My favorite line of this song, I think, really sheds light on the fact that Lucy seemed to always see something in this person, whether, again, it's her former self or somebody else. But to current Lucy, it seems predictable that this person ended up like a firecracker on a crowded street. And the line says, a hidden gem, my own, my own gold mine. You had the wide and wild eyes. You were a secret to yourself you couldn't keep from anyone else. So it's like Lucy kind of always knew that this person had this in them. Maybe she's envisioning who she would have become if she had stayed there, not just who she was in that place as a, a teenager, but potentially she's seeing this timeline play out and she's putting herself at her current age in that place had she have stayed there or something like that. And then comparing that to who she actually is now, knowing that she didn't stay there and, and how life really did play out that would be some sort of you know looking into your own past and and uh creating some type of pseudo future that that could have been you know barring certain decisions uh you know different paths in life that that could have been taken but i i guess i i i still see this about her going back and physically seeing somebody else that she used to know that decided to stay whereas she left and that that could be my own bias knowing that I can relate to that in a way because I grew up in a small town, population 10,000, and I've traveled a lot for work. I've been around the country. I've lived in some cities. I've been exposed to a lot of things outside of the small town that I grew up back in Iowa. And I do frequently go back and I see some people who are still there uh, who have blossomed into amazing people and are successful and doing doing great for their lives. They're happy and and sometimes I look back and think, well, I, I could have stayed here. Life would have been great. I had a lot of really good friends. I'm sure I would have found a way and, and, and things would have been different. But, uh, I mean, if you, if you reflect on your life in a positive way and you've, you've gone out and experienced things and you're happy or settled with who you are and, and uh, where, where you've gone in life and, uh, you know, the, 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 the person uh, you've become or, you know, the... Um, the circumstances of, of your life, whatever they may be, if you're optimistic and you're looking at things in a positive perspective, then I think you'll come to the conclusion that things were supposed to work out that way and that you're content and happy or settled with, with who you are. And then you look back and you say, well, yeah, I could have done this, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't because I've had all these experiences that I wouldn't have had otherwise. But, but the reality is that we don't, we don't really know the outcome that could have happened if we would have taken a number of different uh, turns in life. You know, it's that butterfly effect, how one little decision alters the entire path of your, your life. And nobody really knows 
whether or not they made the right decision that would have led to the the best outcome you just kind of deal with it and so if you're if you're a positive person then then you're supposed to look back and say well i'm i'm happy with who i am now even though that person before that life that could have been wouldn't necessarily approve of it or it'd be different or, or something like that the reality is that you don't you don't really know yeah absolutely that's true another part of the song that stood out to me i just thought it was kind of clever i'm curious what what you made of this line it it said the most that i could give to you was nothing at all the best that i could offer was to miss your calls yeah that's interesting i took that more like she saw it as like an altruistic thing to on purpose not answer her call basically like she was going to be in the way of this person blossoming into this firecracker that she knew all along that this person had this oh interesting greatness yeah, in them sure. and that she knew that she was just going to be a barrier to that ah okay so the best i could do was was to give you nothing and not not ah, answer maybe your call yeah a clever way of saying this. i had to yeah. let you spread your wings go your own way and figure it out right. on your own and that if you were to call me for advice and call me to to help you every step of the way, then I'd be doing you a disservice. So I'm actually going to do you well in missing your calls and letting you move on. So in that sense, maybe it was somebody who was really torn apart by the fact that, that she left and moved on with her life to a different place, whether that's a friend or a significant other. And perhaps that person was calling, reaching out, really hanging on to that part of their life as if they weren't complete without her and maybe she didn't want to cut them off but she knew she had to for their own good that's how i read that yeah musically i feel like you know i don't know i know she went back and read her diary and and walked around her hometown these these are things that really happened and inspired her to write these songs in my mind she's going back to her parents house and grabbing the acoustic guitar and writing these songs on the spot that night that she gets home from having these experiences of reminiscing. I don't know if it worked out quite that way, but they do sound like they've been written just on an acoustic guitar and then stretched. I mean, there's a lot going on in these songs, but the base of them, the bones of them just do sound like that singer songwriter on the acoustic guitar. And speaking of how these songs have been stretched and changed, my favorite part of this one is the outro where there's those twinkling panning guitars and that bed of synth kind of grows and then it sort of breaks free at the end which I thought it kind of needed because up to that point the song really doesn't slow down.
on to track two? Let's do it. All right. This one is titled Christine. This song is a true story of Lucy confronting a friend via song that essentially she doesn't approve of her boyfriend, or at least at the time, based largely on things that her friend had probably vented to her about not being happy at times or some things not being good, and that affected Lucy enough to put her thoughts down on paper and basically present her viewpoint to her friend on the situation through song. You know, to to me, it uh, sounds like a letter in in a sense that she could have handed her, but decided to sing the words instead. And and I don't know if that's how it actually played out in real life, but that's I think what we're supposed to get from from what I've read. She played this demo uh, for her friend, and uh, according to what I've read, her friend basically came back and just said, Lucy, you're a good friend. So I think she understood that she cared about her and that's why she was coming at her with with, uh, this song, basically objecting to the relationship. And the, the lyrics in the song even say, but if you get married, I'd object, throw my shoes at the altar and lose your respect. I'd rather lose my dignity than lose you to somebody who won't make you happy. Ironically, uh, fast forward, the the couple is still together. Lucia said that she thinks they're in a better place now and she doesn't necessarily feel that way anymore that she felt when she wrote this song, but that it was something that at the time she felt strongly about needing to be said. So I, I find that kind of interesting that she still decided to release this because it's a part of her home video. It's a part of her past and it's something that was really significant to her. Maybe it shaped some of her thoughts. Maybe this was a really close friend. But at the same time, she probably has to look back and say, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I didn't totally know all the details of the relationship. Maybe I maybe I overstepped a little bit by intervening and uh, throwing out some, some harsh words, kind of a strong stance. Yeah, you know what? I think that the Lucy is a good friend was actually words spoken by this woman's partner. Or a boyfriend. So oh. when he got wind of this, oh. instead of saying, what's going on? Your friend's trying to sabotage our relationship. In some ways, he kind of took a high road and and said, just said Lucy's a good friend. Like he admired the fact that you know, clearly he would have disagreed with that. But he saw that she was just looking out for somebody that she cared about. And so he saw some good in that, which kind of made me root for the guy a little bit. I actually read that story and was listening to the song and I kind of felt bad for the guy and I couldn't really help inserting there's some songs coming up later where Lucy is talking about the end of friendship that she's having with a friend of hers that is maybe maturing quicker than her and getting into boys and kind of losing that really close connection that she has just as friends and I could be wrong about that but I think that fact that he had responded saying Lucy is a good friend made me think maybe he wasn't such a bad guy after all. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I, I read that quote wrong. I saw it came from Rolling Stone. I'm looking back at it here. It, it does say that Lucy 
sent her friend Christine a demo tape and with that had attached a note that quote from Lucy here says I was like I just need to say this once it's your life but this is how I feel and then it goes on to say and that same partner heard it and remarked Lucy is a good friend for some reason I, I wrote that down in my notes Lucy you're a good friend as if that's what Christine's response was to her but I think you got that right Trevor that Lucy didn't sing this to her in person face to face she sent her a demo of the song and said hey I, I wrote this song and it's about you and your your partner maybe Christine expected it to be something really good that she wrote this love song about the two of them and Christine said to her partner hey come check this out Lucy wrote a song about us we should listen to it and then lo and behold it's actually her saying hey I don't want you to be with this guy that would be awkward yeah that would be yeah. very awkward but you know to your point then you got to feel sorry for the guy especially if if maybe Lucy was overstepping or maybe maybe her friend was going to her for advice or or uh, leaning on her, needing a, a shoulder to cry on for some of the bad parts of a relationship. But maybe she wasn't expressing all of the, the good positive aspects of it as well. So sometimes as a friend, you only get half the story. And unless it was something terribly out of line like abuse or cheating or manipulating or, or something traumatic like that where you feel like you really have to go to the support of your friend maybe sometimes they're in a, a situation where they can't get themselves out and, and uh, can't see clearly and you have to be the, the bearer of bad news and confront them with that but if it was more normal common problems and fights and difficulties that that couples go through and Lucy just kind of had the sense that this guy wasn't wasn't the best for her I mean she she mentions things like you wanted to be a mother, you want to have a baby or something to that effect. Maybe there was a conversation about him not wanting kids or who knows. It could be a number of factors that led Lucy to think, hey, this guy's just not right for you. I think you should probably just move on and go find somebody else. But possibly she didn't know the whole story. And this guy, this partner of Christine, had the, the maturity to hear that song and say, you know what? Lucy's a good friend. She cares about you. She probably has a good reason to feel this way. I imagine he recognizes that Christine had probably vented to her, being that they were close friends, about some problems that they were having in their relationship. Maybe he does feel responsible or guilty for, for putting her in, in an emotional state like that where she would reach out to a friend. And so maybe in a way it, it uh, was kind of a rude awakening that was necessary that he needed to hear too and saying, you know, Lucy's a good friend. She cares about you, and she's also making me think about some of my actions, choices, words, whatever it may be. Perhaps that was a springboard to their relationship moving in a better direction. Yeah, I just thought that was quite a response to have. I don't know that I would have been able to respond that maturely if somebody, especially somebody that's well-known, I'd, I'd probably be freaking out if Lucy Dacus wrote a song about how I'm not the greatest guy and sent it to my significant other. Yeah, I mean, especially for a high schooler, college age kid. You know, I don't know how old they were when this happened, when she, when she wrote this song, but... You're falling asleep On my shoulder In the back of your boyfriend's car We're coming I like musically how this song starts off kind of like a lullaby, and the first words are you're falling asleep. Mm -hmm. It's got that stripped down piano part, a little bit pan slightly right. And the story starts so quickly, you, you have to keep up. The words are kind of lulling you to sleep as the words stay. But they come rather quickly, and you're right into the story right away. 
Christine or, or whoever this person's real name might be is asleep on her shoulder. They're coming back from a sermon that was all about fire and brimstone. I mean, there's a lot packed up in that. And really none of that has to do with what the crux of this song is about, which is about her disapproval of the relationship between her and her boyfriend. So I like how she puts some of these other little details in there right from the beginning of the song and you're left trying to sort out what is the most important thing for me to latch on to because there's a lot of detail right from the beginning. I'm looking back at the lyrics here. Maybe maybe Lucy didn't really think too badly about this this partner of Christine's but just maybe felt that they weren't right for each other. And and maybe that was just more her going to bat for her friend. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. I think she just really loves this friend. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm inserting some of my own bias there that maybe there's some jealousy in there as well. So it maybe it doesn't come from a completely pure place. But I think that she really does think very highly of this person. She mentions things like, if you had a baby, they'd be the first kid to never hurt anyone. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not I'm not really sensing much jealousy. I I just feel like Lu- Lucy thinks more highly of Christine than than she does of herself. Lucy sees things in Christine that maybe Christine can't see. Looking at the chorus, it it says he can be nice sometimes. So she's not saying he's a terrible guy. Other nights you admit right. he's not what you had in mind. So she's saying, you're the one telling me that this isn't what you had in mind. And then she goes on to say, all in all, nobody's perfect. Okay, so she's saying, sure, he's not going to be perfect. Take the good with the bad. Again, not really saying he's a bad guy. But then follows that up with, there may be better, meaning there might be somebody out there who's a lot better for you, but you don't feel worth it. That's where we disagree. So I th- I think maybe maybe that is the moral of this song. It's that Lucy feels she has to stand up for Christine's desires and what she has expressed that she wants in her life, knowing that maybe Christine doesn't have the the confidence or or self worth to to think that she can go out there and find what she's looking for. That she'll find somebody not necessarily better but more compatible. That maybe she's scared of that that idea of, of being alone, starting over, going out into the world and, and being on this pursuit of, of happiness and, and love and, and trying to find those puzzle pieces to make your life complete. But Lucy thinks she can. Lucy, Lucy thinks Christine has the ability to do all that. And Christine has kind of expressed to her that she's not really content with this relationship, but maybe Lucy gets the sense that Christine is settling in a way and she doesn't want her to do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's that's what this song is about. That's what all the words say. And Lucy crafted these words. And so I think that's the message that she's trying to get across. All of my inferences, I think, are built off of this partner responding in such a mature way and maybe me feeling a little bit sorry for him. And then connecting it with some other songs where Lucy does mention being jealous of friends of hers that are growing up quicker and getting into boys. But I completely agree with you that there's nothing about these words that would infer that. I think she's crafted them in such a way that this is what that song is supposed to be about, exactly what you said. She's 
she thinks very highly of her friend and she doesn't want her to settle for something even if he's okay she just she wants somebody great because she thinks this person is great yeah and i mean i I can totally see some of those ulterior motives if you will and maybe it's even subconscious maybe lucy doesn't even know it she could be naive to her own feelings when you're a teenager you don't you don't totally have a good grasp on everything at a really deep level so possibly her friendship with this person has lessened or she's not getting as much attention since christine has found herself a a partner yeah or it could be completely me this that maybe there's something about how i read it and when i think about it from something from my past or something who knows because it's not in there there's nothing in the words that would imply that but for some reason i i can't help thinking about that when i listen to this well like like a lot of the songs in this album they have they have a lot of characters and and they tell stories that are fairly direct there's not too many hidden messages within the stories but they're familiar enough that that we can start to see ourselves as some of the characters and we can we can identify some of the other characters with people that we know from our past from different different uh, periods in our lives and so you can't help but piece in all the details. It's kind of like when you read a, a novel, you don't you don't see what the characters look like. You don't know all of the details. You just get the words. Unlike a movie that that really shows you everything and uh, kind of gives you the words and the visualizations and the connections of everything with with a book, with a story, even more so with a with a poem or a song. You you have the ability to fill in all those details. You might get twenty thirty percent of the the story you get to fill in all the rest. And a lot of times you probably do resort to your own personal experiences and uh, past memories to make sense of that, that message. Yeah, I think that's well said. Well, should we move on to track three? Yeah, let's do it. Track three is called First Time. song that again feels like a diary entry like somebody recounting what it feels like to be in love for the first time sneaking into that person's house having what we can assume would be first physical or sexual experiences together and what what that's like yeah i think that's exactly right lucy had said i started writing about that feeling when you're in love for the first time and all you think about is the one person and how you find access to yourself through them. I paused for a second because I was like, do I really want to talk about early sexual experiences? No, just do it. If you don't like it, don't share it. 
She said it's about discovery, your body, and the emotional capacity and how you're never going to feel it the way you did the first time again. At the time, I was very worried that I'd never feel that way again. The truth was, I haven't, but I felt other wonderful things. And that, of course, a reference to the chorus where she says, you can't feel it for the first time the second time. When you first heard this song, did, did you have the lyrics alongside you? Yes. Okay. Actually, I, I take didn't. that back. I did not. No. I, lis- I okay. listened to this. Where was I when I listened to this first? Oh, I think I was doing laundry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I've been having to go to the laundromat because of my uh, apartment, uh, having some issues with the laundry machine. It's a good place to listen. Yeah, to so that's where I've been checking out a lot of new albums, and and so I listened to this. Yeah, without lyrics the first time, but I was pretty zoned in because I had headphones on and I was doing a monotonous task that wasn't distracting at all. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you if you th- heard it. You can't feel it for the first time the second time because when I was listening to it, I thought she was saying you can feel it for the first time the second time, and that actually resonated with me just as much. Because here I am thinking about this as a song where she's revisiting her past. Oh, okay. And sometimes you have to experience something the second time before it really hits you emotionally. Like maybe the first time you're just not mature enough to understand it. Mm. Or you don't see it for what it really is. And then the second time is when you really feel it. And I was actually thinking about, because we just got done tackling Ben Fold's 2001 album. And that song where he says, it's so weird to be back here. Oh, yeah and still fighting it. So I just took it as like her going back home and having these feelings that she couldn't have experienced the first time because now she's older and more mature. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not sure how I I heard that the first time or if, if that uh, really resonated with me very much. I I think, I think I heard can't, but I'm not sure. I mean, both make sense. And and I, I get what she's saying with can't, but I think it would have also maybe fit the theme in a different way with her going back home and experiencing things again. Musically, the pace of this one picks up from the first two and especially from the second one. So the contrast from Christine to this one is a bit jarring. But I think a needed place to pick up the pace a little bit. I'm pretty sure those are drum machines at the beginning. They're just a little bit too perfect. Mm. In the first verse, there's a line that says, I'm a starfish on the kitchen floor. Catch my breath to breathe your name. Any idea what that means? It's preceded by her breaking into a house. I I thought of it maybe her own house, like kind of sneaking back in when her parents... Are asleep oh, so I, that she I thought of it as sneaking out curfew. of the house and that she's sneaking into her boyfriend's house that maybe she's not supposed yeah, to be Yeah, it could be there. either one. I think it's a really cool imagery of her just laying on her back on the cool kitchen tile and spreading her arms and legs like you might do if you're gaga over mm. somebody and you're reflecting oh, on yeah. your night uh-huh. or yeah. maybe she's drunk and it just kind of feels good to just sort of lay down on the cool Sure. Yeah, I just floor, I just had an image of somebody at the edge of their bed after something amazing happens, w- whether it's related to a relationship or they find out some good news or, or maybe they're just finally home from work and they can relax and you plop back onto the bed almost like a trust fall and you just let the bed catch you with your arms spread out and your legs sprawling across the bed. Kind of that euphoric, relaxed 
you know, the weight of the world is lifted from you kind of feeling. Yeah, I think that's a good example to me of where Lucy shines vocally, uh, lyrically rather at times, because that does elicit a mental image of, it sounds like a young person just kind of taking it all in after an amazing night. Mm -hmm. And the song overall implies perhaps maybe a early sexual encounter or physical encounter with someone that you're interested in. And so I, I thought that the imagery of her just kind of sprawling out on the floor was relatable. I like that quote you shared too about her admitting that she's never felt what she did the first time again, that she's never been able to recreate that, that feeling that that was a special moment uh, in her life, but that she's had other wonderful things that maybe at the time she wouldn't have even known that she wanted until she actually experienced them. And that kind of fits in with, with uh, the chorus that says, I can't go back to who I was before I met you. I can't undo what I've done and I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to, she, she repeats. basically saying you can't experience that same thing again because it requires you to be the person that you were before that happened and now that it's happened you're not that person anymore so even if you recreate that same exact moment it's not going to feel the same because it's something that you're experiencing as somebody that you weren't when you experienced it for the first time but you wouldn't want it to you know because you're going to have new experiences different experiences better things uh, potentially I think you're right. She really is emphasizing how after something like this, you are a different person. Later in the song, she asks the question, has my face changed, baby? Mm -hmm. I think just implying that after they're done, that maybe they would just be different. You know, do I look different? You kind of innocently like want to look at yourself in the mirror like, am I a grown up now? Do I look different than I did before? Yeah. She does a good job painting a picture of what that would feel like. I think that your line about the starfish on the kitchen floor paints that picture. And then, you know, there's a lot of imagery of the two of them together, one guiding the other one's hands, you know, different innuendos. But overall, it's it's light enough to give those implications, but really just paint the picture of what it feels like to feel it for the first time. Well, should we move on to track four? Yeah, I think so. I'm ready to move on to track four. This one is probably, yeah, no, I won't say probably. I'll, I'll, I'll go out on, a, on a, a limb and say this this is my favorite track on the album. It, it's got a couple tough competitors for holding that spot, but I'll go with this one as my, my favorite track on the album. Track four is titled VBS. You said this one was your favorite 
This is not my very favorite, but it might be my second. It's certainly up there. We are entering what I think are the best three songs in a row with track four, VBS. And being a Christian school kid growing up, I knew that VBS stands for Vacation Bible School. I have distinct memories of some summer camps like this, whether it was VBS or others. And what I now kind of look back on and see is more of an emotional manipulation, but at the time it felt very real. And this song describes Lucy's real experience of attending one of these camps and her first boyfriend who wasn't as convinced as she was of all of this, and she was trying to save him. I think this was my favorite song before I really paid attention to the lyrics because musically it has a flow to it that's that's kind of catchy it's fun to to sing along and it has a it has a good rhythm and pace but then you you dive into the lyrics and the story there's really a lot to unpack and there's so many themes so many different characters it, it almost feels like this song could be a short film and uh it it depicts a lot of things that might happen at Vacation Bible School or a lot of the the people that may be there from Lucy's character, who is somebody that appears to be in a place where they've devoted their life to Jesus and have been raised and nurtured by people who place a strong emphasis on that. It's it's, it's central, integral to their their life and, and who they are and what they do. But then we meet another character, Lucy's but it was it was about a boyfriend that she had met at Vacation Bible School. And, and this guy, it, it seems, is there because his parents forced him to go or chose to go for the heck of it to, to do something to be a part of it. But for whatever reason, he doesn't seem like he's really bought into Christianity and following Jesus and, and uh, doesn't possess a lot of the same feelings as the other participants uh, that signed up for the camp. And the two of them have this relationship together where Lucy is maybe trying to expose him to uh, some of the events that are going on there. And he's kind of going along with it to be there with her, but not totally uh, involved or interested. And there's also hints of of her maybe being a, a little questioning or unsure of whether or not she should share a lot of this information, whether or not it's in his best interest. You can kind of pick up on that and some of the subtleties of the lines. Yeah, well, he's clearly questioning, and she's portraying like she's got it all figured out, but from the first line, you know that she's not quite sure either, and that might be part of what why she is attracted to him, because he's outright saying, you really, you believe all this stuff? And so there's a part of her that maybe can vicariously live through his questioning without having to actually admit to herself that she's also questioning. I mean, the opening line says, in the summer of 07, I was sure I'd go to heaven, but I was hedging my bets at VBS. She's thinking, well, maybe I should still uh, attend these Christian summer camps just to make sure I'm putting in all of my work to secure my soul's salvation here. In the summer of 07, I was sure Ah, interesting. I, I didn't really think about it that way. She was pretty pretty certain she would go to heaven and fa- fairly confident in her faith and spiritual well-being, uh, if you will. But at the same time, it might not or must not have been totally in check because she's saying she felt the urge to go to 
vacation Bible school as if somehow that was a way to boost her chances, maybe. Yeah, and I could see somebody that was just overtly questioning being somewhat attractive to somebody that has a few questions because you could explore that by sort of playing devil's advocate without actually having to admit that you also have those feelings. I like the next line that says, A preacher in a t-shirt told me I could be a leader, taught me how to build a fire and to spread the word. I can't tell you how many preachers in t-shirts I remember from camps like this where they're trying to be cool and make the kids think that they're, you know, it's it's cool to love God and they've got the bleached blonde hair and t-shirts and trying to kind of play both ends of it. Yeah, for sure, trying to relate to the kids. Well, clearly right. Lucy stood out as being somebody that had leadership qualities and, and understood understood the the word and, and the message that they were trying to, to spread because the song goes on to say that this preacher taught her how to build a fire and how to spread the word, kind of grooming her to be a, a leader for the others. And then it says, In the evening everybody went to worship and weep, hands above our heads, reaching for God. And then here's where we get introduced to the other character who becomes her boyfriend back in the cabin snorting nutmeg in your bunk bed you were waiting for a revelation of your own so this, this guy uh, that she met this boy is obviously not partaking in the evening worship and he's he's back snorting nutmeg getting high trying to have some experience of of his own that maybe in a sense is kind of what the others are trying to get through the the evening worship session you know they're doing it through a natural way of of getting high on on jesus and here this other guy's like now i'll just hang out in my in my dorm room and snort nutmeg Yeah, and that was news to me. I think you and I were texting. Yeah, I had no uh, idea people uh, did that. All of my years at uh, Christian you never Bible saw camps, <laughs> I never snorted nutmeg. <sighs> but it, it kind of resonated with me a little bit because these were the type of things that y- you would find. Like, you're not going to find somebody smoking pot at a Christian camp, but there's always the, somebody that's pushing the envelope a little bit, and nutme- <laughs> snorting nutmeg sounds about right. That's something that they would do. I'm trying to think of an equivalent that I did see. You know, like, a lot of them would, like, bring lighters and, like, light aerosol, you know, like, deodorant on fire, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Just, like, lukewarm rebellion because you're in high school and you're away from your parents for a week in, at summer camp. But it's also Christian summer camp, so it's not cocaine, it's nutmeg. <laughs> From my reading, I don't think snorting nutmeg is a very fun high. It sounds rather sound dangerous like, from what I read also. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's very enjoyable either. My favorite line of the song was the, the part that comes after that. Sedentary secrets like peach pits in your gut. Yeah, I like that too. Locked away like jam jars in the cellar of your heart. I thought that imagery was really cool. And back to her questioning a little bit in this whole thing too. The chorus ends with, You say I showed you the light, but all I did in the end was make the dark feel darker than before. And that's kind of the impression I sometimes would have 
gotten walking away from some of these Christian summer camps, it's like you, you come away feeling more emotional, but in reflection, sometimes it was the fear of God or the fear of the absence of God or hell or the devil that made you feel, I guess, closer or maybe the right term is more, um, more committed to it. But really it wasn't warmth or love. It was a clearer vision of the opposite of that. The, the dark felt darker. So that's how you were, you saw the light. This was the effect that she had on the boyfriend. Right. Yeah, and, and she thought that she was potentially helping him by showing him the light, bringing him out of a darker place. But in reality, being exposed to all that and, and uh, thinking about the significance of what you do in this world and what you believe and how you live your life and that somehow that can have a really great outcome of going to heaven or potentially you get worried about not making it and ending up in hell and maybe that idea of that darker place and that pressure or that that feeling of not being able to perform well enough or live a life worthy enough that somehow that can lead to a a worse feeling than whatever he was feeling before being brought into that circle you get the impression from verse two that maybe this young man has some reason to have some challenges and be a little bit of a kid from the other side of the tracks. I like the wordplay there. It says, your dad keeps his sleeves down through the summer for a reason. Your mother wears her makeup extra thick for a reason. When I tell you you're born and you are here for a reason, you are not convinced the reason is a good one. implying that there's some emotional and even physical abuse. The dad might have scratches on his arm. The mother might have bruises on her face to hide some of these things that might be going on at home in this kid's life. Yeah, this is another song, now that I think about it, similar to, to Christine, where she she's basically being there for a friend and trying to convince the friend that, you know, they're more worthy than maybe they realize, you know, saying... I tell you that you were born and you're here for a reason and you're not really convinced the reason is a, a good one. You know, she's trying to cheer this person up and, and uh, let them know that they are important and uh, obviously they're not totally seeing it. Her message isn't getting through, but she feels the urge to go to this person and be there for, for them, similar to how she felt that she needed to express her feelings uh, about Christine and her uh, relationship. So I'm starting to get the sense that uh, Lucy, the narrator of these songs, is somebody that uh, feels the pain of friends and people close to her and, and has this this feeling that she has to be there for them and uh, try to help them for whatever reason. Yeah, there's some similarities there to Christine. And obviously this guy needs some help. He's he's having some issues, having a hard time going to sleep. He, his mind's racing at night. It's keeping him awake. And the song goes on to say, 
you know, ironically, the only thing he's found that allows him to calm his his racing mind is playing Slayer at full volume to help drown out all that noise. Yeah, because that's the quietest part of the song leading up mm-hmm. to it, and then by the time it gets to the words, helps to drown it out, and those ca- guitars kick in, it really does drown out her voice. Yeah, it kind of catches you off guard, but it, it really adds a, a different element uh, to the song. move on to track five this is my favorite song on the album and it's called cartwheel The intro to this song was was really pretty. It was kind of a pleasant sound to the ears. I kept thinking that I had heard it before, heard something similar, and I'm not totally sure. I'll have to go back and and listen. You were playing the clip here to 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 get our mind on this song, and hearing it again a few times, I almost wonder if it's the song "Sound of Silence" by Simon and Garfunkel that uh, I thought of. Just that kind of mellow setting the stage. Um, slow, quiet, instrumental, leading into the song. Yeah, it's different, but I could see, like, the feeling being Yeah, the yeah, same. something, something yeah. like, gave me a feeling of listening to Simon and Garfunkel or other music of that era. And preceding that, it has this kind of weird warpy sound into the song that, I don't know, I was thinking maybe just was supposed to be, like, warping you back in time. I mean... The prior song was also when she was younger, but this one really has like like young, you know, grade school childhood memories with it. And this this is another one of the tracks that I feel like could stand alone as a a poem by itself. There, I mean, there, yeah. there is some good the, rhyming in this one, which is not something that Lucy always does. That's something kind of unique about her. Sometimes she does simply tell her story or take excerpts from her journal or diary and put them into a song without really trying to change too many words to make them rhyme and to have anything too catchy but this one she does do a lot of rhyming which is kind of cool because i i mean rhyming is is a, a staple of poetry but more so in song i think for something to sound catchy to sing along and and uh you know, the, the word choices are probably more important um, than sometimes in poetry. You don't have to rhyme everything. There's all sorts of different styles of poetry where some of the lines rhyme, but others don't, and, and, and some not at all. So a lot of her songs, to me, seem more like poetry with music that's been added to it, whereas this one does feel like a song, but at the same time, you know, the words could stand alone without the music as well. Yeah, this one definitely reads the most like a poem. And once again, you kind of almost need like a running start into this song 
because you're just barraged from the beginning with imagery of childhood passing quickly. You know, things like um, firefly juice on your skin, outgrew sister's clothes again, body pulling at the seams, not prepared for what the future brings, and just you know, imagery of curse words, empty cups, all of these things just um, reminding you of little snapshots, little photographs of what it's like to be a young child playing with your friends in the yard. Why was this your favorite? I just thought it was a really unique story and subject matter for a song. It's I mentioned it's all these imagery about childhood, and that's what it is. You've got all of this imagery of these lightning bugs, summer nights, and then, of course, the title of the song, Cartwheel, being something that you might do with your friends as a child. Cartwheel and broken wrist, skin scarred and sun kiss. And then after that line... Then it breaks, and so then you get this musical interlude between it. And then when you get to verse two, they're more adult. She's feeling betrayed by her friend moving on from their childhood friendship. Her friend finding her first love was her having to say goodbye to her her childhood when she wasn't ready. And I just thought that was a really interesting topic to write a song about. I've just never heard anything quite like that, but I think it's very real. sent this song to my little sister because I was thinking about her this whole time when I was listening to this song and I just said can you relate to this and and she said that she really could she remembered times like that feeling like she kind of wanted to keep playing with my little ponies and do those things and some of her friends were moving on to other parts and you don't get to make that choice you know when you're the one left behind she did such a good job of painting that picture and then again that break between the childhood part into verse two where she's now talking about the more grown-up situation that really painted the picture of that growing up that music in between and then you're kind of floating on this cloud of this ambient music and there's just this sparing guitar and it's pretty hard pan from one side to the other so it really puts you in kind of this floating place between childhood and young adulthood. There's even a few wrong notes thrown in there, which I found interesting. I don't know if there was some meaning behind that, like just mistakes you make growing up or something. That's a long answer to say I just thought this was a really interesting 
topic and subject matter, and it, it, I just thought it was a really well-constructed song. Let's talk about the line that gets repeated a few times. The future isn't worth its weight in gold. The future is a benevolent black hole. What was the takeaway message you got from that? Now there's only past and present day. I can't believe a word you say. The future isn't worth its weight in gold. The future is a benevolent black hole. Well, after her friend tells her that she's interested in boys and when you told me about your first time implying maybe, you know, her first time being intimate with a boy and she's feeling betrayed and like she's being left behind, that line, the future isn't worth its weight in gold is like their future together, their friendship together isn't worth what it used to be. There's a line prior to that that says, a late night promise on the telephone, we'd build a house of twigs and vines and grow old together just to pass the time. You know, things that you might think of doing when you're a kid before you're interested in relationships you've got your best friend and you're thinking i'm not going to get married and that's that's such a important i mean this is this is almost like the first breakup you ever go through is having your best friend mature and and want to spend time with somebody else you know it's natural but one person isn't ready for it and it it's it happens all the time and i just don't think people write songs about it very much and then the next line, the future is a benevolent black hole. I guess I just took it as like, it's it's well-meaning, you know, benevolent, but it's empty and you can get lost in it. You don't know what it's going to yeah, bring maybe, now. Yeah, maybe the, the, the fear of the unknown of not knowing who, who she is anymore because she doesn't have that identity that was wrapped up in girls' nights and uh, just, you know, her friends and and talking about boys and how they have cooties and, and sharing all these younger uh, viewpoints on the world to now her friends are moving on from that and saying, Hey, we kind of like boys and they're going out and hanging out with them and also inviting them over to their, their sleepovers. I I don't don't know if that was uh, specifically laid out in the lyrics of the song, but I, I read that in an interview with Pitchfork where, where you know Luke, yeah, yeah that's right Lucy she had, had said, said why are we yeah, sneaking what, what boys into the sleepover yeah, we they're not even fun. it was we were having fun with right, without yeah, was, them yeah it was it was fine when they weren't here and it's actually not as good when they are here so when she found out uh, it says here in this interview in reference to her friend the day that she told me she had sex for the first time i i felt so betrayed not not mad exactly but mourning something i couldn't pin down I wasn't supportive, which probably wasn't good of me, but all my friends seemed to want to grow up faster than me. So just alluding to the fact that, you know, she she didn't want to necessarily condemn the actions of her friend, and maybe a part of her was potentially a little jealous, or um, maybe she felt a little insecure about not having moved on yet like her friends were or that somehow she was kind of left behind but at the same time i mean she she kind of knew that whatever she had with her friends before that would never be the same that something had changed by them uh moving on to that next chapter in their life that that they weren't ever going to have what they had before and i think that's the part that she felt betrayed about that she didn't get a warning 
at all that there was this transition in in their friendship or in that person's development uh, that kind of hit her um, unexpectedly, caught her off guard. And, and to that extent, she felt a little betrayed. This is probably one of my favorite songs I've heard of in 2021. I just thought the subject matter and the sound and the uniqueness of it, the arrangement. This song was just from beginning to end to me perfect um and it was easily my favorite one on this album easily huh wow heads and tails for me i like some of the other ones but cartwell was the best well i'm excited to talk about this next track this this was probably second place uh for me i I did like cartwheel i don't know if i would put it in my top three i don't know if i would even pick a, a third place um i think for me it's it's VBS followed by by thumbs and then and then the rest you know all kind of have their place but track 6 is titled thumbs you hung up the phone and i asked you what was wrong your dad has come to town he'd like to meet i said you don't have to see him before I mentioned Cartwheel was my favorite easily. This might be my second favorite. I also am with you. I liked VBS, but this was a really interesting song as well. Also based on a true story, as many of the songs on this album were. And it was a friend of Lucy's who called her up and said, my birth dad wants to meet. And so she said, I'm coming with you for support. And I was reading that Lucy herself is adopted as is her mother. So not only is she a good friend I think to the person that called her up, but probably had some personal connection to this type of feeling. She's mentioned that her relationship with her dad is trying at times for, I think, reasons that are different than the implications are for this friend in the song. But nonetheless, she could definitely relate to what her friend was going through. And um, so she came with her friend to meet her dad. I really like the the way they kept this song rather stripped down. There aren't many instruments in the background. It, it, it has this spatial effect, like there's this vibrating echo kind of aura in the air in the background, and it makes it feel really intimate, you know, like you're about to hear something serious. And you and I both listened to that Song Exploder episode where she was talking about how she tried it in so many different ways. There guitar and and other instrumentals and they just kept stripping it away to the point where yeah you said it well it's like airy and ambient and there's not really a musical accompaniment to this it's it's sort of just sound and feeling to the words it really is almost more like her just getting up and giving a monologue i think we we see a, a wider vocal range on this song as well you know so many of the other songs don't have a lot of movement in in her voice I don't want to say monotone because that sounds boring and it's definitely not boring, but there's not a lot of, I don't even know the proper musical term for this. She's not uh, covering a wide range of notes from, from high notes to low notes. She's yeah. kind of in this middle safe zone. And that's why to me, it a lot of them feel like poetry or spoken word with music accompanying it. 
where the message, the story that's being told is the, the highlight um, or something that you're, you're, you're focused on that and you, you come away saying that was a, a really interesting story that was neat. Or you say, I really liked that musically. There was something about it. But there aren't too many songs where your first response might be, wow, she has a beautiful voice. That's not to say that she can't do that because obviously in Thumbs she does. But I, I think this is one that stands apart from the others where obviously the story is very powerful and the lyrics are, you know, they kind of hit you in the face. And part of it's because the music is is stripped away. So you, you only hear her, but I think she has a really pure sound to her voice on this one. You know, th- there's just some, some really cool things that she does vocally in this song. This is one that she started working out when she was on tour with Boy Genius. I think I mentioned that this is was the first single on the album and that she had a unique way of letting fans know that she was about to release this album. She she sent this on a VHS tape to very select fans as kind of a surprise, so she must kind of know who her biggest fans are, and they just, unbeknownst to them, just ended up with a package from Lucy in the mail, and it was this song. Yeah, this is the song that I was referring to earlier when I when I was saying that Phoebe and Julian encouraged her to sing this and perform this, but it was it was difficult because you know it, it had such a, a powerful impact on Lucy that it was kind of tough to perform, and she would usually save it for the end of the show, and she would specifically request that the audience please not record it. So then that, right. that made it even more powerful when she finally decided that she was ready to record it and release it to people knowing that it would get out to others outside of her super fans that were attending her concerts and uh, the people that she probably felt safe with, you know, the ones who were really good fans because not super popular to the point that a ton of random people would be showing up to the concerts. The people that went to the concerts were probably people that, you know, really, really appreciated the music and, and respected them and were, you know, a part of the, the musical experience they were sharing together. So she trusted those people and told them not to record it because she didn't want it to get out to others. But then eventually she did feel comfortable enough with it. And then to send out the VHS tapes, that was that was pretty cool. I think it's a testament to her fan base that most yeah, of them respected yeah, that. Amazing. That this didn't just get leaked because I could see myself, you know, at one of my favorite artists going, okay, I'm going to sing the song. I don't know if it's ever going to get out there. So Mm -hmm. no one recorded. I'd be like, ah, yeah, I'm I'm recording this. Yeah. Kind of one of the advantages, I guess, of being a a smaller artist in the grand scheme of things that the people that are there, they're really there because they want to be a part of, part of the experience. And, uh, you know, yeah. And they really respect Mm -hmm. her as a person Uh, that, that doesn't say much about me that my first reaction might be that, Ooh, cool. I got to <laughs> record it, but I can't promise that I wouldn't, that wouldn't uh, have me reaching for my phone. Yeah, if right, I yeah. heard the artist say yeah, that. I'd be, so. the, I'd be the one like, okay, I want to respect her wish. So I'm not going to share it with anybody, but I'll record it for myself and I'll just keep it in a really safe place. Like I'd find that happy medium. I'm going to keep it for me, but <laughs> I'll share it with one of my yeah. friends because this person would really appreciate it, but I'll tell them yeah, it's not like to. a secret yeah, that I... you know, you shouldn't say to anybody, but yeah, you, you kind of want to because it's, yeah, you kind of want to tell one person, just one person. Yeah. 
Well, we should get into what what happens after she follows her her friend out with, with yeah. Her so dad in basically, song. she decides that she's going to support her friend. You know, the the friend doesn't have to go alone uh, to meet with her father. We. I think we're, we're supposed to assume that they haven't seen each other in a long time. I don't know how long. Well, I guess it says he ha- hadn't seen you since the fifth grade. Now you're 19 and you're oh, five. Oh, that's eight. right. So I guess yeah. we can do the math there. In fifth grade, you're probably 10 or 11. So it's been almost a decade yeah. since they've seen each yeah, other. Basically yeah, basically half her life. Crazy. Yeah. So in fifth grade, she's probably four foot something. And now she's 19 and she's 5'8". I, I like that Lucy threw that in there. That was... Uh, unique way of saying now she's a she's a grown woman she's tall she's 19 years old she's going on being an adult and she's no longer the little girl that she was when you saw her last Yeah, that's that's an example to me of one of the times I think that her yeah, writing shines there, where she could have said that in other ways. But you're 19, you're five eight. That's that's saying it without saying it. And Lucy obviously knows enough of the backstory to know that her friend shouldn't go there alone. Maybe not not so much that she felt that her friend would be unsafe, but I think just she needed a friend to be emotionally supportive. That it might be kind of hard to to see him knowing the the past and we don't we don't get too many details uh but there is a line in the song that says you've been in his fist ever since you were a kid you've been in his fist ever since you were a kid i think that's kind of implying that there was some some physical abuse something negative wrapped up in that yeah, I forgot about the you've been in his fist line. I, I was thinking about the fact that they felt like they wanted to walk a mile in the wrong direction to throw him off after they left, that he was watching where they were going, and they must have felt some sense of uh, their safety being in jeopardy if they felt like they needed to throw him off their path. And we don't get too much information on, on what what uh, was exchanged in the encounter, but we get enough that it was that it was kind of awkward and tense. Um, I, I kind of get the sense that the father showed up hoping that it was a clean slate and they could forget the past and maybe repair the relationship and, and move on. I, I guess I could kind of empathize with the the father a little bit, especially if he was remorseful for whatever things he had done that, that scarred her or that maybe he just left, abandoned them and uh, was feeling some guilt and maybe there was some desire or longing to um, patch that and try to make up for the past mistakes, which I'm sure can be a really hard thing to do if you haven't seen somebody in so long and so much time has passed. You you missed half that person's life. You don't really know who they are anymore. They don't necessarily know who you are. I mean, that, that must be a, a tall task to try to come back from something like that. So even if there was noble intent, you know, it'd be kind of difficult to do. Sometimes it might have something to do with, with the relationship between the parents that leads to them splitting and the child gets stuck in the middle of it. And if it's some sort of abandonment type issue, if there's a, a divorce, maybe the one parent keeps the child from the other. Maybe they push each other away. It's it's hard to say what all transpires that leads to some of that. So if that's part of it, and then also there's the part that maybe there was some physical abuse or 
or that he wasn't a good father when he was around when she was younger. You know, to try to move on from that, even if you're a totally different person now and you want to fix it, there's so much damage. I'm, I'm sure that has to be a really tall task. I mean, that's got to be pretty intimidating for somebody to uh, try to overcome that. So I gather that's maybe what, what he's feeling on the one side, although, like I said, we don't get too much information on that. But then we do know that Lucy's friend is not feeling very comfortable. She, there's a line about uh, how she's uh, digging her, her nails into her thigh, I believe it says. So. Nails are digging into my knee I don't know how you keep smiling So it's definitely an awkward and I, I guess we have to assume kind of a short meeting that maybe doesn't end the best and they decide to go separate ways. We were texting about that prior to hit and record on this and you were talking about sort of feeling for the dad in this situation. I've got no grounds to stand on to disagree with you having sympathized a bit with the boyfriend in that second song, Christine. But you're right, even though this one doesn't give any perspective from the father's point of view, there always is more sides to the story that would be a tough place to come back from if you were a father. Since the song was written from Lucy's perspective and and filtered through what her friend was feeling. Like you said, the nails digging into her knee and them walking in the other direction. All of those things did make me think that maybe there was some sort of abuse in the background. So I just sympathized with the narrator of the song and Lucy and this girl's perspective. You've been in his fist ever since you were a kid. That makes me think that he's been beating you, but you don't owe him shit. Like, well, why would you owe him shit if he's been beating you your whole life? That doesn't make sense. Well, I think that's often what kids feel like, and that's kind of the point of this song, was that just because he's related or he's your family doesn't really mean you owe him anything. There's that line in there that says, bound to him by blood, but baby, it's all relative. You two are connected by a pure coincidence. Bound to him by blood, but baby, it's all relative. Yeah. Of course, that double meaning, being a relative or having a blood relationship, but that's not enough to owe him something. You don't have to show up. You don't have to meet him just because he wants yeah, to. Yeah, but why connect that to him beating her or being abusive? Like that, those, are, those, are, those are strange thoughts to put together in the same sentence. But implies that you might owe somebody because of that, but you don't actually. Like, oh, like, I see like, what you're Like saying. I would say... He bought you a nice car, but you don't owe him shit. Yeah, nor- yeah. normally it's like you did something that could imply somebody owes you something, but yeah, they're yeah. saying, but you don't. So that was just kind of weird that like he's been beating you. I don't know. It's just, it was a weird, it was a weird thought for me to read through that. So that's, I didn't know if I totally uh, picked up on that or if you've been in his fist was like a, I don't know, some type of metaphor for something else and not meaning that like he was hitting you with his fist, like he had his reins on you, like you've been in his control or something. I think you, I think you're spot on there. I think that's kind of what it's supposed to be saying. And maybe she wanted to have a double entendre because usually if someone says, I've got you in my fist, it's like I've got control over you. But some of the other allusions to it, perhaps having some actual physical abuse made her want to use that metaphor as opposed to saying like in his control or in his watch or something else that you could use that doesn't also have violent implications. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wanted that double meaning on that word. Yeah, definitely. Well, as you mentioned, this song is written from the perspective of Lucy. And even though the storyline is about her friend meeting up with 
presumably an abusive father who left when she was younger and hadn't seen her for nearly a decade. Lucy has said that the song is more so intended to express her friendship or care for her friend. And as a friend, you're probably thinking worst case scenario and you feel for them, you want to protect them. So this was a a fairly traumatic or impactful experience for Lucy, it sounds like as well. There there were a couple parts of the song that I kind of questioned the word choice. I know you and I were discussing leading up to this that maybe we would change a couple parts of the song. In the chorus, she says, I would kill him if you let me. I would kill him if you let me. I would kill him quick and easy. I was thinking if this the song is about how she would do anything for her friend, it would have a more relatable meaning to me if if the chorus read, I would kill him if you asked me. Because if you're saying, hey, I would do anything for you if you asked me to do it, then you might go as far as saying, you know, if you asked me to do it, I would I would kill this person. People will exaggerate what they would do in order to protect or care for somebody else. But the fact that she chose the words, if you let me, that almost implies that she dislikes this guy so much that if her friend didn't oppose to it, then she would kill him. So just one word word choice in that chorus completely flips the meaning of, uh, of the intent of what's being expressed there by Lucy. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really think about it being any other way there. You and I, we had talked about, we both listened to that Song Exploder episode. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember Lucy talking about how she, I think she used the words, I hated this person, and how that was really an uncommon emotion for her to have. I think it did become personal for Lucy. We mentioned earlier that she was adopted and she doesn't have the greatest relationship with her father. I don't think there's any physical abuse in her history there. But nonetheless, she's got a difficult relationship with her father, and she's had to navigate that herself over the years. And then to see it projected through her friend, where she can at least relate to that, and then maybe this one being amplified somewhat by perhaps there being some physical abuse. For whatever reason, that cocktail of things, when she met this person's father in the Song Exploder episode, she mentioned how she just started hating this person. So I think she was choosing to put let instead of asked me there because I think this was almost her her choice, her, her wanting to do that. And I guess it's finalized with the fact that this, we haven't mentioned it, this song is called Thumbs because of the line that says, I imagine mm. my thumbs on the yeah. irises pressing in till they burst in contrast to the words you read in the chorus that say quick and easy. That's a little little bit more of a long and torturous demise. Yeah, that was the other part of the song that I think I, I would have left out or said differently because of the grotesque nature of that. But I, I, I suppose, like you were saying, if she truly did hate this person, whether that's based on the details of the history with her friend that you and I and, and other listeners don't really know, or if maybe this person, this father, was more representative of something bigger that maybe amplified how she felt about this person that not only did she feel for her friend this person the father represented something much bigger and deeper whether it's some type of power or control issue neglect abuse 
or so many other things that could have been wrapped up in that childhood experience that she approached this with with all of those emotions going through her head as well and that's what that's what led to such intense feelings I think so. I think it did become personal for Lucy. Back to that song Exploder episode, I remember her mentioning that the last lines of the song that you mentioned earlier, you don't know him shit even if he said you did, that's repeated twice. And in the episode, she said the first line was for her friend. And she said the Mm, second time she says it, it's for her. I remember that. Kind of reminding herself that I don't know my father shit even if he says that I do. If you Mm -hmm. throw some personal history with your parent in with somebody that you really care about dealing with their version of it, which may even be more intense given, you know, some implied physical abuse. I think Lucy just dialed up to 11 here and she's, she's got some anger as that line depicts with the word thumbs. It's all about that word. When she gets to that part in the chorus for me, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of the song is where she says pressing in until they burst. It's the first time where she doesn't really sound like she's singing there. She almost loses any melodic sound to her voice and she just the way she says burst has a lot of feeling behind it I love your eyes and he has them or you have his cause he was first I imagine my thumbs on the irises pressing in until they burst. Yeah, this song really gives the intended effect. I think as a listener, from the very beginning, with the, the stripped-down sound, the spatial effect uh, that you get, it really creates a lot of intimacy. It draws you in, makes you really want to listen. And then Lucy is singing with such purpose, you almost have to stop what you're doing and listen really closely. And as the story unfolds, you... you you understand the tone of the of the music, the lyrics, the way she's singing, and, and it all connects really well. I mean, this is a great example of the music, the vocal quality, style, and the lyrics all meshing well to give give the same message or perception individually if you were to listen to any of those stripped away from the others. But then collectively, they really come together and make this song arguably the best on the album. I think I, I mentioned earlier that I would put another song uh, right above it, but this one is definitely a standout track from the album. Yeah, this is a highlight. Like I said earlier, the the last three leading up to this one were my favorite. I think this is a standout for a lot of fans. But you don't owe him shit, even if he said you did. You don't owe him shit. Even if he said you did. Well, let's move on to what will be the second half of the record. We'll flip the record over here, and then track seven is Going, Going, Gone. Daniel made a path. We started flirting after class. Stealing hats and trading jackets Locking lips and braces brackets After dinner, before dark We'd meet at the same bench in the park Sweaty palms, averted eyes Wasn't sure if he and I 
This is another interesting track with a deeper meaning that Lucy is trying to get across here. She did a good job of explaining the message behind this song in an interview that I read. She said, Going, Going, Gone is about the cycle of boys and girls, then men and women, and then fathers and daughters, and how fathers are protective of their daughters, potentially because as young men, they either witnessed or perpetuated abuse, or just that men who would casually assault women know that their daughters are in danger of that, and that's maybe why they're so protective. She goes on to say, I like it right after thumbs because it's like a reprieve after the heaviest point on the record. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that underlying meaning the first couple times I listened to it. I think I had to read that same quote that you just read to tap into that. That is kind of an interesting concept to think that a father's protectiveness of their daughter might have some deep-seated patriarchy of its own, maybe some, from some personal or observed experience of other men being somewhat abusive to women. Yeah, I don't know if I would have picked up on that either, but after reading that and then going through the lyrics, Daniel in 10 years, grabbing asses, spilling beer, and then another 10, and he'll have a daughter. She'll grow up and he can't stop her. Daniel in 10 years, grabbing asses, spilling beers. Another 10 and he'll have a daughter. She'll grow up. You know, kind of how things come full circle where he'll reflect on his youth growing up and all the things that he saw and experienced, and then out of that will grow some sort of desire to be protective of his daughter to not end up in those same situations or at least make her aware that these things are out there and somehow try to help give her the knowledge or or tools or guidance uh, required to help navigate that situation. Yeah, it makes what would be kind of a sweet gesture of a father looking out for their daughter have some little bit of underlying, I guess for lack of a better term, grossness to it to think like part of the reason that they're looking out for is because they themselves understand how abusive men in certain situations can be. Part of that too is because this song is just sort of sing-songy and folksy. You were mentioning how the last one and some of the others we've listened to thus far on the album, the lyrics really fit the sound and you might get the same message just from listening to the music mm-hmm. this would be the complete opposite if someone played this right it's kind of light and fluffy yeah you'd, you'd sort of yeah. think oh this was probably about a nice walk in the park or something right. so yeah so it is a reprieve musically but if you look at the deeper meaning behind the lyrics maybe not because that's a potentially a, a troubling idea to think of there this song does have some of my favorite writing just in terms of wordplay i really like the line that says The sunset through a tantrum wasn't ready to go just yet. Mother Earth said, time for bed. Resisted and the sky went red. The color filtered out like pulling teeth out of the cloud. The bloody battle ended. Now the sun can't break the habit of going down. I just thought that was really cool wordplay. Yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier. A lot of these songs seem more like poetry with music put to it after rather than a song that was rooted in music that then had words formed around it to create the song. I think maybe Lucy's greatest strength is is her writing and 
storytelling through poetry. Lucy does that well because a lot of these stories that she's talking about in these songs could have chapters, novels written about them. They're, they're pretty deep, complex ideas, but she's able to get them out fairly simplistically, yet still provide enough detail to, to really make them powerful. Yeah, she's skilled at that, and I think if you combine the fact that almost all, if not all, of these songs are rooted in actual experiences that she had growing up, pulled from her diary, and I think, again, her film school background, if you take personal experience and combine that with some cinematic imagery that I think goes with her film school background, I think you do get really interesting writing that kind of pulls you into these stories, and that's one of the strengths, I think, for Lucy on this album. This song also brings together the other members of Boy Genius. I mentioned in the intro that this album has contributions from both Julian Baker and Phoebe Bridgers, and this song has both of them as well as Mitski, another prominent female indie artist right now. And you hear them in the background vocals, and then you also hear all of them clapping at the end. I really like that little spoken outro. Yeah, that was a really nice touch to add the actual recording with the conversation. You you get the impression that maybe there were multiple takes and finally, you know, they they nailed it. So that was pretty cool to throw that in there. It just added a, a realness to the whole album construction process. All right, next up we have track eight, Partner in Crime. You were my partner This song really contrasts the rest with that auto-tune in the vocals. Lucy had said that in recording this song, she just wasn't hitting all the notes. She was having a day where things weren't going well for her vocally. And so just for fun, she decided to record it that way. And that they ended up kind of liking it because the meaning of the song is about a relationship that she had when she was a teenager to somebody that was older. And she was really trying to relate to that person and be something that she wasn't. So the autotune kind of falsifies her voice in such a way that maybe makes it her trying to be more interesting or more attractive to somebody that's older than her. When I asked you to coffee, could you tell I don't drink it? Yeah, definitely. I really like that line. When I asked you to coffee, could you tell I don't drink it? You know, like that's such an adult thing to do. And she thought that was the right thing to do to ask this guy to go to coffee. But wondering if he's seeing through her, knowing that that's probably just something she's trying to do to act older than her age. One thing I found kind of interesting about this song is we talked in prior songs, you know, Thumbs, especially how Lucy's very in tune with, I guess, actually the last couple songs, um, Thumbs and then the Going, Going, Gone about abuse in men in different ways and on the surface level this song is that way it's written from the perspective of her as a younger person 
and so she's making excuses for this person. The title of the song is Partner in Crime, as if they're both in this together, but really, if she's somebody that's underage, you know, he's the one that's supposed to have the insight and wherewithal to say, hey, sorry, I can't continue this relationship, and she's making lots of excuses for him in this song, which goes against Lucy's adult character, from what I gather from her in some of these other songs. But maybe we're supposed to just look at this like we're looking at through her younger self that doesn't have that clarity about what's appropriate and inappropriate. I don't know. But that part, I guess, made me a little bit uncomfortable that she was kind of looking the other way at this guy dating somebody that's under aid. Regardless of who initiated the interaction, it is a crime. And I suppose the one who would be at fault would be the older person. But she obviously cares for this person and it's it's more than a lustful relationship or fling at least it seems there's the lyrics that say picking petals to see if you will be mine you know in the in the chorus do you love me do you love me not do you love me There are some lyrics later in the song that that make that a little more complicated. It says, drop me off at the curb by my curfew around the corner so nobody sees you. So he knows she has a curfew and that she lives with her parents. They're the ones that would impose this curfew. So maybe she lied and said that she was 18 and she's still under their, their house rules and has the curfew. But he's got to be thinking that maybe she's underage or maybe a little suspicious of the fact that he has to drop her off by a curfew and around the corner so nobody sees. I don't know if that was her request or if he kind of knew that. And then it goes on to say, you drop a hint that you got a girlfriend. I tried my best not to take it. I want to run my fingers through you. You say nobody understands you like I do. So there is that part that maybe this is a taboo relationship of sorts with the age gap that perhaps they both know that it's potentially wrong, or at least in the eyes of, of the public and the law, the age gap is, is a problem. It's illegal. They're partners in crime. He's accepting her answer, her lie about her age, but perhaps he knows deep down that, that maybe she's lying and he's ignoring that because he does like her. He says, you, you say, uh, nobody understands you like I do. She says that to him. So he's saying that to her and nobody under stands me like you do but he also drops a hint that he has a girlfriend so you know it's also taboo if he's cheating on his girlfriend or he has two relationships going on at the same time so in a way it feels like they they both know they're they're doing something wrong you know they're both uh, lying about different aspects of their life their relationship outside of each other but when they're together there's something special there because she wants him to love her and and he obviously has strong feelings for her as well but it's almost as if maybe deep down they both know that it can't be more than than what it is which is a relationship where they secretively get together and they have to be coy about where they're at and what they're doing and making sure she's back on time and and dropping off around the corner so nobody sees them so they know there's a lot of things that they they wouldn't be able to move past at least with, with the age gap and with uh, some things that are going on in their own lives you know Lucy still being at home with her parents and maybe them not approving of it and perhaps he's in a 
more serious relationship with a longtime girlfriend that's not going well for whatever reason. And he, you know, he, um, maybe wants to leave it, but can't, who knows? There's lots of details, but you get the sense that there's something developing, but, uh, they both know maybe that it's not going to last because of, you know, the nature of the whole situation. Yeah. And there's that line that says you were a welcome waste of time, which also maybe implies that she or they both knew that this was something that was going to eventually end, that it, it didn't have enough legs to stand on a long term. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. What do you think of the choice just in general to have the auto-tune on there? I understand, like I said, that at the beginning it was a placeholder because her voice wasn't really the best that day when they recorded it. But the choice to leave it in, I get the metaphor of her trying to be something that she's not. And I give her points for that you know that that is interesting to tie those things together but i to me it just it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb Mm -hmm. no pun intended (laughs) and i didn't really love it yeah yeah musically it doesn't really fit because up to this point i'm viewing lucy the the artist the singer as somebody who's very elegant clean polished you know she is who she is on the surface. She's not sugarcoating anything or, or faking too much. She's very real and authentic and auto-tune is, is the exact opposite. So why they would choose to do that in the studio as if that was even a possibility. I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, some sort of singer's block, if you will, like writer's block where the words just aren't coming out. Maybe the, uh, the sound just isn't coming out in the, the, um, uh, realm of being a singer and if they auto tune it a couple times and they hear maybe somehow that allows them to get past this and then they can do the real take afterward i don't know if they ever intended uh, to leave that or if it was just kind of an exercise or something to help her move forward that day but it seems kind of strange that they would do that musically because it does not fit in the album but with that said you know they listen to it they're like oh yeah you know this isn't too bad it sounds kind of cool and then they say well yeah and it, it actually relates to the lyrics then all of a sudden it starts to make sense and then i think leaving it in actually maybe was a good move because it it kind of enhances the effect of the song and it it defies the the norm of what we would expect as a listener so it just adds this extra element uh, of surprise to the album yeah, I get the theme and I understand the metaphor and, and it was a placeholder that wasn't the intention in, originally to leave it in. Like I said, they they did it just because she wasn't hitting the notes that day and I think the intention was to go back and change it. But yeah, I listened back and thought, well, and it kind of fits the theme. So I get all that and I, I you know I do find that as somebody that nerds out on song structure and, and decisions, I, I, I appreciate that. But I also just don't, I don't like it musically. It doesn't it doesn't enhance the song musically for me even if mm-hmm. I can understand it conceptually. And it hides some lyrics that I think are really interesting. I think one of my favorite lyrics on the whole album mm-hmm. is her describing yeah. herself as this young person feeling awkward and not fitting in where she says, "My heart's on my sleeve. It's embarrassing the pulpy thing beating." My heart's on my I like the visual there. It's very 
you know, anatomical and visceral and embarrassing all at once. And I, I thought that was a, a cool way to say it. And you kind of miss it with that auto tune. Some of, some of that gets lost, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we're ready to move on to the next track. I mentioned a series of three songs earlier was my favorite, but this next one is also up there. Track nine is called Brando. I'm in a second story window and you're yelling at me, Stella, and I'm laughing because you think you're Brando, but you'll never come close. All I need for you to admit is that you never knew me like you thought you did. So this is another true story. Lucy had said, Brando is about a friend I had in high school who had based a lot of his identity on his tastes and the media he consumed. When we met, he recognized in me a lack of culture because I grew up in rural, suburban area and I didn't really come into contact with many movies or music. So he taught me everything that he loved, and that was the bedrock of our friendship. I realized over time that all he wanted from me was to be a receptacle for his tastes, to mirror him. It was like I was his scene partner in life. It occurred to me later the things he said to me that I thought were so deep were just quotes, not original thoughts. Here's looking at you, kid, was actually something that he said. And then I saw Casablanca. Yeah, this song is definitely a jab at her friend basically saying it was all an act or yeah. a show that he was kind of trying to make himself out to be more than he really was and just needed Lucy as a, a sounding board or, or some type of person to give him that reassurance that he needed. Maybe there was some deeper insecurity or something there that uh, he was trying to impress everybody and, and needed that confirmation from somebody and Lucy happened to be that somebody. But there's more to the story. She had she had feelings for this guy. There's the line in the lyrics that say, you called me cerebral. I didn't know what you meant, but now I do. Would it have killed you to call me pretty instead? You called me cerebral. I didn't know what you meant, but now like that line yeah i mean she obviously had some feelings for this guy but maybe she was in the friend zone and being taken advantage of in a way if this guy looked at their relationship as something kind of superficial whereas she was she was given more of herself to him than than he was able to give back to her of himself because he was so wrapped up in in his you know identity and perception that you know he didn't really see her because all he could see was himself. Yeah, and I could see her maybe having some initial attraction to him and then him presenting the connection being deeper like that, like, oh, you know, look at all of these things that we're into. We're not, we're different. We like these old films. And her going like, wow, not only is he attracted to me, he likes me for my mind. And we have these deep connections. And then finding out that he actually doesn't like her in that way. He just thought that she was interesting or like he says, cerebral, it's almost like the opposite of what you might typically hear a woman say, like, you know, I, I would, I wish that somebody would tell me they like me for my mind every once in a while, mm -hmm. instead of just telling mm -hmm. me I'm hot. And I like her, especially somebody who's a very, you can tell a very progressive thinking person for her to admit that I wanted you to 
say something superficial to me. I, I wanted to feel mm-hmm. sexy to you. I wanted to feel hot. And you were, you were trying to tap into my mind, but doing it in a way that wasn't even that it wasn't even emotional intimacy or intellectual intimacy because it was all like his own vision of what he wanted her mm-hmm. to be and his own interest yeah. that she he was trying to get through her. She didn't yeah, even she was, know about Casablanca and some of these things. That right? Yeah, she was uh, a pawn in the game. Yeah, or, or another or re- character in this this uh, movie that was his life that he was trying to exaggerate or create i like despite the fact that there was a lot of layers and intricacy to this song in the verses the chorus was pretty simple and sing-songy all i need for you to admit is that you never knew me like you thought you did yeah that's one of the under tones or underlying meanings of this song from Lucy's perspective she feels like she was misunderstood and and maybe taken advantage of that she was just a sounding board when she wanted to be something more than that and her friend who was so full of himself and confident that he understood the world and all the people around him thought he knew her but She's basically saying, you never really took the chance to get to know me because you were so wrapped up in yourself and you had me painted out to be something much smaller than I than I actually was. Even though you gave me some compliments and you created a, a good relationship within that small context, you didn't fully know me and you didn't take the chance to, to hear me talk, to hear my, my story, to really understand who I am deep down because you were so wrapped up in everything else that you were doing for yourself. And so... You know, in a way, she kind of accepts that's who he was and, and she can move on from that. But all she really needs for that closure is for him to admit that he didn't really know her like he thought he did. So I yeah. think that was a pretty interesting way to, to throw that in there. And it's kind of, it's a deep idea, but the the lyrics are, oh, I don't know, fluffy sounds bad, but it, it's a cliche poppy sound to it. It doesn't sound that serious, but what she's saying actually is pretty serious. Yeah, it's funny how there's certain things that you like and don't like, and I could see in some other context me going like, oh, why did it? Why was it such a sing-songy chorus to this deeper concept? But for some reason, I liked it in that in this part. I, I wanted that part to be kind of sing-songy and catchy because, I don't know, I found that interesting. And I think that's one of the reasons I thought this song was interesting. I mentioned my favorite one was Cartwheel because I thought the the theme of it was so unique. I'd, I'd never heard a song about a subject quite like that. And this one too, there's other songs that I think we've heard, you know, other versions of, obviously, romance and, you know, even songs about maybe meeting an estranged father or something I feel like you might, that might pop up. But to have this one as kind of this like backhanded compliment slash friend zone song, I, I just find it to be a very interesting topic. And to bring in all of the imagery of the old movies, you know, I, I found this one to be an interesting song from a writing perspective. Well, we're winding down to the end here. We got a couple songs left. Next one, track 10, is titled Please Stay. Your clothes in the dryer, your hair on the shower wall. Your toothbrush is too much, your shoes empty in the hall. 
This was another track that felt very vocally driven. Like a lot of songs on this album, the song opens with her singing almost immediately. There's no lead in musically, which I'm sure I've heard before with some artists over the years, but it stands out as being something kind of unique because typically there's at least five, 10, sometimes 15 to 30 seconds of of music to lead into a song before words are spoken. Whereas this one, it's almost like at the, the drop of the hat, the words come in right away. And so the focus is on what she's saying in the story and then the music kind of trickles in afterwards. So you're not really too caught up in the music. Your, your ear isn't focused on that right away. So you zone in on the words, which is maybe something that was intended here because the words are fairly powerful and it's about a, a message that really does require some some attention and focus to digest. Yeah, that's a good point. That is something that Lucy does quite often. I think I said you need a running start is what I said to when you get into the lyrics mm-hmm. before, yeah. because right when the song starts, you're kind of three metaphors in or something like that. And it, you mm-hmm. kind of, this, these are ones where you kind of have to hit play a few times to grasp unless you're reading the words along with it. And the subject matter, this one is pretty weighty. It is something I think we've heard in one form or another, maybe from other artists, but it's you know, in Lucy's unique perspective on it, she's talking about that heartbreaking feeling of helplessness when someone maybe is contemplating ending their life. And also that strange feeling of having some sort of responsibility in that, even if it doesn't have anything to do with you, even if you're not in control of helping this person because they're your friend. And it sounds like maybe even somebody that was living with Lucy, you know, a roommate or significant other or something you almost feel like you are their savior, like you need to be the one to help them somehow. I say I love you too, because it's true. What else am I supposed to do? Maybe bar the door when you move to leave. Yeah, and I think she she really wants to emphasize to this person that she would notice if they were gone. And I think that's maybe the the most important thing you can do if you're in a situation where you feel like maybe a friend is contemplating that. You let them know that they matter to you, that, that you care about them so much that you would miss them if they were gone because oftentimes that might be a thought that's going through someone's head who's contemplating that, that perhaps they feel like people don't really care too much about them or that they wouldn't miss them if they were gone. And that's sort of the delusion of the thoughts and the mental illness that's coming through with, with people feeling that way, but simply letting somebody that you care about know that you do, even though they should know that maybe they've forgotten it and you have to remind them. And that seems simple, but perhaps that could be all that it takes to get that person to want to choose to stay. Yeah, I think you're right. And she talks about all the little things in their home that she imagines would just be too much to look at if that person wasn't around. And I thought about it, you know, from Lucy's perspective about how hard it would be to see those things. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's more of an outward message to that person just to really show like, look how much I notice your toothbrush, your shoes, the flowers that you strung up by your bed, your hunting knife. And I I see all of these things. Your presence is interwoven into 
my life and into the world in all these visible and tangible things. And so, so saying those things out loud maybe is also a message to the person showing that you really notice how meaningful everything is. And she's definitely connected to this person. I mean, they're a good friend, I, I imagine, who's expressed some of these feelings uh, to her over the years. There's the line in the song that says, I think you mean what you say when you say you want to die. I think you mean what you say when you say you want to stay alive. I think you mean what you say when you say you want to die. I think you mean what you say when you say That's a pretty deep set of thoughts there that that somebody can mean both of those things at the same time or at different times express those things to Lucy. What did you think of that section? I was going to ask you the same thing. I guess I didn't really understand those two things together. The most I could make of it is that somebody expresses that they do want to stay alive but maybe it's more a desire that they wish they had something to live for, that deep down they do want to be here, but at the same time, they can't really find a reason to be here. Or maybe to them, being alive means feeling well and being happy and and full of life, but they don't have that feeling. As much as they want that feeling, they can't find it. So the alternative is, is to accept that, well, I do want to be here, but if I can't be alive, then I guess I want to die. You can be stuck in the middle of those two thoughts and feel kind of helpless. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I could see that for sure. And then I also wanted to just mention the bridge. When we talked about all the little things that Lucy would notice if this person wasn't around, she also puts a lot of tangible imagery of some things that maybe she is offering to her friend as reasons to stay. You know, quit your job, cut your hair, get a dog, you know, anything. Just do whatever it would take to change your day, to change your perspective, but but just stay. Break a vow, make a new one. Call me if you need a friend. Or never talk to me again. We are on to the last track of the album now. Track 11 is called Triple Dog Dare. You said you have me there If it's a triple dog dare A triple dog dare A triple dog dare A triple dog dare 
Prior song features both Julian Baker and Phoebe Bridgers of Boy Genius. This song just has Julian Baker singing some background vocals on this song. And this song is about a female friend Lucy had in high school. And she started to gather that her friend's mom perhaps thought there was romantic interest between the two. So she pushed them away from each other, not wanting anything to develop. And it sounds like maybe she lost this friend to some degree or at least didn't get the chance to evolve their friendship because the the parents stepped in between. The song goes on to describe maybe some type of a a fantasy or or dream-like situation where the two of them maybe could have gotten together. I'm not sure if there was supposed to be some implication of, of romance there, but just that they would have had a deep friendship and take her parents boat out and uh sail off to some foreign place fend for themselves live off the land fish etc and have this life together out on the boat Yeah, and in reading the lyrics, Lucy definitely does have feelings for this friend. Maybe didn't recognize it at the time, but looking back, she definitely did. And then there's implication that the friend felt the same way. There's the line that says, You passed a note in class, told me to meet you at the overpass. Your lip was trembling when you said that we are cursed. My favorite part of this song was at the beginning where it sounds like she's staying over at this friend's house. It's late. They finish a movie and then they decide to go for a walk. They go to the five and dime. And at that moment, you hear a door creak open, a little jingle. So it kind of puts you in the place that they're entering this convenience store. To the five and dime. The only open place at this time of night. You're dancing in the aisle Cause the radio is singing you A song you know And the kid at the counter Is gawking at your grace I can tell what he's thinking by the look on his face It's not his fault I'm sure I look the same 
And then I really liked the imagery of the kid at the counter gawking at her friend's grace as she's dancing to this song that's playing in the store. And it sounds like it's almost at that moment where Lucy is also looking at her friend and realizing, wow, I, I get why this guy is gawking at her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it says it's not his fault. I'm sure I look the same. It's what you do, but it's not you, I blame. Yeah, I thought the writing there was really, really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I had forgotten that line, but you're totally right. The f- friend is maybe thinking, gosh, this this guy is staring at me, you know, like he's being a creep or something. But maybe he's mesmerized the same way that Lucy is. And so Lucy gets it. And she's saying, you know, it's it's not his fault. Like you are attractive and I kind of look at you the same way he does at times. Yeah, I thought that was a really creative way of saying something without saying it. And then mm-hmm. again, leading into verse two, another line I thought that was really great. Your mama read my palm. She wouldn't tell me what she saw, but after that you weren't allowed to spend the night. I'm staring at my hands, red ruddy skin. I don't understand. How did they betray me? What did I do? I never touched you how I wanted to. I'm staring at my hands, red ruddy skin. I don't understand. How did they betray me? What? did I do? I never touched you how I wanted to. Again, I just thought a really interesting way of saying something without saying it. And I'm imagining, you know, back to these songs being diary entries or memories from her past. I bet that's all Lucy's creative interpretation on it. I could see the convenience store being an actual scene that could have happened. But her friend's mother reading her palm sounds unlikely to me as the reason why they didn't get together. I imagine there was some other observable thing that the mother might have seen that made her suspicious of them. I'm guessing that Lucy thought of a creative way of thinking about this idea of her palms betraying her and then parlaying that metaphor into the idea of touching her friend, you know, the same palms mm-hmm. that her friend's mother read that she didn't use to yeah, actually yeah, touch her. Yeah, maybe just that the, the mom had a, a read on the situation and just kind of read Lucy for what she thought her intentions might be or just, you know, saw something um, through their interactions. I again thought that was great writing. Yeah, and then I I really liked the line, if the door were to open, would you walk through the frame? That was another really clever way of saying something without uh, saying it directly, as you mentioned, using a metaphor to basically ask the friend if it were an option for us to pursue our relationship together perhaps as more than just friends, you know, would you want to go on that journey with me? Would that be something that you would be interested in exploring? If the door would open, would you walk through the frame? And then she uses that metaphor of the flame having a double meaning when they talk about them leaving to this imagine scenario where they would just escape and run away. She says, you know how to start a flame, I think, double meaning of maybe something romantic. And she uses that same metaphor on the song VBS when she mentions that the camp leader in a t-shirt taught her how to start a flame, I think, in that way. 
talking about survival skills, but also like a religious metaphor for passion or something like that. So to pull it back out in a different scenario here, I thought was interesting. Lucy had been quoted about this song saying, in high school, I was friends with this girl and we would spend all our time together. Neither of us were out, but I think that her mom saw that there was romantic potential, even though I wouldn't come out to myself for many years later. Yeah, I've read that Lucy describes herself today as pansexual, which is described as having sexual, romantic, or emotional attraction toward people regardless of their sex or gender identity. And perhaps she's always felt that way. And that explains why she had deeper attraction to this friend beyond uh, a typical friend-to-friend interaction or relationship because she's able to form all sorts of deep connections on a number of different levels with anybody regardless of of their sex or gender identity so it doesn't necessarily imply that there were any specific feelings or, or desires in that situation but that she was open to the idea because of whatever spark or initial connection they had that that was potentially an option and something that she would maybe have fantasized about even when she was younger another part of the song that i thought was really good writing and and imagery was uh, near the end where it says they put our faces on the milk jugs missing children till they gave up nothing worse could happen now basically wrapping up the story saying we stole the boat we ran off together they looked for us for a while but they finally said hey we're not going to find them and Nothing worse could happen now because nobody's trying to break us apart. Nobody's coming for us anymore. It's just us. We're out here. Just the two of us at sea, and now we can be together. They put our faces on the milk jugs, missing children till they gave up. Your mama was right. And I think this was a great song to end the album. It's the longest song on the album. And then it's just got those repeated words on the outro. Nothing worse could happen now. 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 Well, that about wraps it up. Our last album dive for 2021. Why did you pick this one, Trevor? Man, there was a lot of good music. When we first start off the year picking something from 2021 or whatever year we're on, it's kind of one of those fun little welcome constraints where it's like there's only a handful of albums to choose from. So it's fun to see which of those to select. You can really feel like you're listening to all of the ones available or or close to it anyway at the beginning of the year. By the end of the year, they're just piled on. And when I'm searching through all these albums that I would like to have chosen for a deep dive, it becomes a tough task. I was going back and forth with you saying, okay, I think I got it. And then saying, wait a second, I need a little longer. So this one took me the longest to pick. And there were certainly some close contenders, which I think I'll probably mention as we do our end of the year episode here. But I chose this one because I was reminded again of your pick from last year in our wrap-up of Phoebe Bridgers, diving a bit into Boy Genius, and then just realizing how influential a movement some of these young female singer-songwriters are to have that 
super group made up of three of them, I think is something that I really wanted to feel like I was more educated on because I think all three of these artists are going to continue to have strong solo careers. I think they're women that are intelligent beyond their years and hopefully come together to create more Boy Genius albums. So to do that lighter dive of Phoebe Bridger's album last year and being disappointed that we couldn't do a deeper dive and then seeing this one pop up and have so many great reviews and then just feeling like the backstory of it being really personal to her, literal diary entries that these songs were pulled from, and how prominent the lyrics were for her. This one really did fit to me something as a deep dive type album, whereas maybe some other albums that grabbed me that I might mention for our wrap up might be great albums to pick for just topical listening or, or something that I think maybe isn't more interesting musically as some of my favorites, but might not be the best for us to spend hours talking about. This one seemed to check all of those boxes. So that's why I chose Lucy Dacus to end 2021. Well, I'm glad you did. I thought it was a pretty great album as well. And I think we would be doing the three artists a disservice if we didn't highlight them sooner or later. So to pick Lucy's album this year, we were able to revisit again how much we enjoyed Phoebe's album from last year and also mention the fact that Julian Baker released a really great album this year as well that we could have chosen for a deep dive so the three young talented women as you mentioned are really shaking up the 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 indie female singer-songwriter scene doing some great work and i'm sure we'll continue to hear about them for years to come so on that note alone it was a great pick and then getting into the album i i thought it was really unique in that lucy didn't hold back on this one she she didn't really sugarcoat any lyrics and wasn't afraid to express her raw emotions and feelings you know you you mentioned a lot of these were stories from her childhood that perhaps could have come straight from her diary. You know, by the end of the album, I feel like we we do get a sense for who Lucy is as a person. Uh, some of her childhood stories that were impactful uh, to her that have shaped who she is. You know, albeit being probably a small snapshot, but there's enough there's enough contextual information in these songs that you you start to form an idea of who Lucy is on a deeper level. And I think a lot of the experiences that she's had in her life that come out in this album speak to her advanced maturity uh, for her age or uh, maturity beyond her years, I think, as you you mentioned earlier. I think a lot of that maybe has to do with the life experiences and the, the fact that she's a deep intellectual person who who sees things on, on a number of different levels and, and perhaps has a mind that is developed uh, beyond her years and maybe did all along, maybe as a, as a kid. She, she was in tune with, with more than the average person and, and that's kind of shaped who she is as a person and made her such a great singer-songwriter. So for her to give us a, a glimpse into her past with the album Home Video, uh, it... it uh, really allows you as a, a listener and a fan to appreciate who she is and, and what she's doing with her life. And, and that really connects you to the music even more. So uh, on that note as well, I think it was a great choice. 
Yeah, as you said that, I was reflecting again on that line I mentioned in Partner in Crime, where she says, my heart's on my sleeve, it's embarrassing, the pulpy thing beating. I think maybe that's one of the things I liked about this album is their diary entries from when she's a teenager. It is hard on your sleeve. It is somewhat embarrassing. And perhaps I just admire somewhat her bravery in choosing to revisit that as an adult because they're relatable, even though they are somewhat embarrassing in a way. Yeah, totally. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up our last album for 2021. We'll see y'all one more time for our best of wrap up. But until then, go listen to a great album. I was going to say and go snort some nutmeg. (laughs) (laughs) But then I would have had to like add a disclaimer. Album Divers does not endorse doing (laughs) drugs. (laughs) If you're enjoying listening to Album Divers, you can support our podcast by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music. Follow and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Divers. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or had never heard before. Do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering music that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time. <laughs>